Northern New York was one of, if not the wildest places in the world during Prohibition with the bootleggers just kind of wreaking havoc. Many high-speed chases were taking place between the bootleggers and the police. Many, many wild ones were documented, and we can't even imagine how many others were not. In today's episode, we are going to tell you all about one specific chase that had an officer actually jump from one vehicle to the others on the speeding bootleggers. So pretty excited to jump into this. And uh, I might even be joined by a special guest. We'll get right into that right after the intro, right about now. You made it through the intro, and I appreciate it. The voice you're hearing now, obviously, it's Matt. I've been in here. I've been here all episodes. Zach couldn't make it today. Apparently, he had a gas leak on recording day. It's a pretty serious thing. Not like he, you know, had an actual gas leak. Like It's not a fancy way of saying he had a stomach problem. He didn't have diarrhea, none of that stuff. So he couldn't make it. So filling in a little bit of a mic shy is my beautiful fiance, Meg. Hello. She's here for some moral support. Not very big shoes because Zach's not a very big guy, but super excited to kind of work together. I've been trying to press this for a long time. You might not hear your voice a lot, but hey, she's here. She's recording. First one. You know, you got to get the first one out of the way. Might as well be this one. Episode seven of the Your Town podcast. Again, this is a police officer leaps into legend is a self-titled that was in a book called... Um, a lot of the inspiration from this one, which we usually do the sources at the end, is a lot of the inspiration is booze, bad boys, and bootleggers. It's a it's a book written by James E. Reagan, which is uh, someone from Ogdensburg. Cool little book. Check it out. It's on Amazon. It's all over the place. We have a copy right here in the studio. And another source for some information was actually Britan Br Britannica. I think that's kind of like the encyclopedia.com, which I looked up some prohibition stuff for the people that don't know history. So those are the two sources. And uh, let's give them this. You ready, Meg? Never been more ready. So, obviously, um, we're this is going to be pretty crazy. And stuff like this, I feel like, only really happens in the movies. But the guy's name is George Hayden. I tried to do some more research on George Hayden. Didn't really get too far. So, he uh, it, it's a name that you've probably never heard of. But after listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure it's going to stick in your brain. At least maybe you're going to tell some people, tell some coworkers or whatever. Pretty much he was a badass officer. Well, badass or dumbass, you're going to be the judge of it at the end of this episode. Do you have any guesses? Is he going to be option A or B? Is he, is he going to be the uh, option A is badass. Option B is dumbass. B. Option B. Okay. So George Hayden, as previously mentioned, it was a Watertown, New York police officer during the times of prohibition. For anyone that doesn't know about prohibition, I did mention earlier. I'm going to explain it in a free history lesson. So apparently you should have paid a little bit more attention in school, but we're not here to judge you. So prohibition was a legal prevention of the manufacture, sale, and transportation of alcoholic beverages in the United States from 1920 to 1933 under the terms of the 18th Amend Amendment. Could you imagine having to go 13 years of your adult life not legally being able to have a beverage if you want? Couldn't believe it. I mean, not that we're big drinkers or anything, but I mean, if we want to go to a tavern, a pub, in a little town, we could have a beer or a liquor. 
We may not be big drinkers of, you know, alcohol and liquor and stuff needed for prohibition, but I'm going to tell you what, we're big drinkers of Bones Coffee. Bones Coffee is just an absolute amazing coffee. It has the flavors already in it. You don't need creamer. You don't need that extra sugar, calories, all that other stuff if you count that. But either way, if you guys want to check out the links in the episode notes, or you can use code BEARDLAWS10 to save money on your Bones Coffee. But they couldn't. So although the temperance movement, which was widely supported, had succeeded in bringing about this legislation, millions of Americans were willing to drink liquor distilled spirits illegally, which gave rise to bootlegging. The illegal production and sale of liquor and speakeasies, which are illegal secretive drinking establishments, both of which were capitalized upon by uh, organized crime. As a result, the Prohibition era also is remembered as a period of gangsterism. That's pretty cool. Can I get a tattoo that says gangsterism? No. Uh, okay, fair enough. You said please. Uh, it's characterized by competition and violent turf battles between criminal gangs. There you go. You're welcome. History lesson done. Free of charge. If you are just fell asleep, I do apologize. I mean, history to some people is a little boring. So sorry if I if I bored you. But either way, wake back up. Let's listen to this. And uh, again, free of charge. But if you want to buy some merch or something as a way of a thank you and have a cool hat, check it out. All right, let's jump into this. The Watertown policeman, Hayden, had been warned that rum runners carrying a load of illicit booze came from the U.S.-Canadian border near Malone, New York, which is Malone, New York is kind of closer i guess to the um louis uh louisville which was the episode five with the scarborough massacre closer there than uh than, than watertown for sure the chief ej singleton told his officers that they would make their way through the watertown public square on their way to central new york this is where the uh, the bootleggers were heading central new york kind of like oneida hey call back to another episode three oneida silverware you know that weird cult that had a lot of weird stuff going on yeah you haven't listened Go back. Did you listen to him, Meg? No? That's no, no, I didn't get to. No, you shouldn't get to. That's okay. You're on it now. You don't have to listen. You're part of the show. <laughs> All right. So Officer Hayden uh, was downtown, making his way downtown, walking fast. And uh, did you see what I did there? That was a song. No, no, not having it. Okay. He was on duty and uh, near the downtown plaza around 10.30 p.m., when he saw two men in a vehicle that matched the description he had been given about the booze runners. He had also been uh, told that they escaped police in both Augensburg and Messina, New York, earlier that day in a very dangerous high-speed chase. So when they were in Ogdensburg, the runners, obviously, high-speed chase from Messina. Messina got word, which I'm not exactly how they got word that quick, seeing how it's the 20s and they're in a high-speed chase. Like, what would you consider a 1920s? High-speed chase. Like, what's the first? How fast? Like, horse? I was wondering the same thing. I mean, like, 40 miles an hour? I don't know. We'll have to look that up. So, either way, they got word from Messina to Augsburg. They probably had, did they have radios in the 20s? Probably. Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. Because Or or they had really fast pigeons. So, um, so they, they actually attempted to run down several police officers while they were doing this because they set up a roadblock, which was near Van Rensselaer Road, which is actually by the State Asylum, which is actually today the Psychiatric Center in Augsburg, New York, which, spoiler alert, there's going to be an episode on that. If Zach ever could show up and write it, either way, it was rumored to be said that the car was going so fast, though. Okay, maybe this answers our questions a little bit. I was setting you up there that when the officers got up from actually jumping out of the way of this 
car that was just speeding towards them at a roadblock. They looked up. The car was nowhere to be seen. So it must have been pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Yeah. So then they navigated all through the Maple City. The Rum Runners did. They were last seen near City Hospital in Augsburg, New York, Claxton, Hepper. Then they headed south toward Watertown, right to Officer Hayden. What luck he has, huh? So dun dun dun. Dun dun. Yeah, that's good. We got we got transition music and everything now. All right. So Hayden on foot. Remember, he's seeing these people. He runs to a taxi stand. Have you ever seen or heard of a taxi stand? No. No. We, but it's, is it like a bus stop? Maybe? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking just a bunch of taxis just kind of hanging out. And, you know, uh, when I think taxi in the cities, I, you know, on the side of the road, they're driving all over the place. They must just must be hanging out. You got to walk there. I mean, it's not like you have a cell phone. So you just walk there. People weren't as lazy back then, especially these rum runners. So we ordered the cab driver, William Powers, probably still related to the Powers. A lot of Powers still in the Augsburg area. So if you're related to William Powers or were related to him, let me know. That'd be cool to uh, to kind of segue and, and do a follow up on this episode. So William Powers, the driver, all right, playing what Jason Statham pretty much in this episode. I think he's he's pretty badass. So they're the uh, the getaway vehicle of all vehicles. Do you have any guesses what it is? Back in the twenties. These people, the, the rum runners, they're flying. They're in an Ario Roadster. Pretty cool looking car. If you want to pause this episode, Google Ario Roadster. Pretty cool little car. So cruising down Washington Street, just a taxi versus an Ario Roadster. William that's Powers. Yeah, that's, that's what came to me. I wonder if that's what the song was after. Maybe that whole entire song was actually based on this story. I don't know the lyrics, but we're going to look those up, too. So, all right. It took a bit, but the cab driver, Sir William Powers, they should have knighted him because he, he's pretty badass. Listen to this. He was able to catch them on Flower Avenue, again, in Watertown, New York. So as they are in this kind of high-speed chase, Officer Hayden says, hey, they're getting away. I mean, he probably didn't actually say that, but I'm pretty sure he thought it. But he's like, come on, William, let's go. Probably with some really bad words. I'm not really sure what this crazy kind of bastard is thinking, but he climbs out of the vehicle, out of the window, onto like the the floorboards or the, the, the runners on the outside of the vehicle, has his balance, just kind of flying in this high-speed chase, hanging out, holding onto the window on the, uh, on, on the footboards or the floorboards, like I mentioned, just like probably Jason Statham movie. And he just keeps telling the cab driver, stay with him right in the middle, right in the heart of Watertown, New York, right about 1030 at night. This is wild. Like, could you just imagine? I mean, it wouldn't happen nowadays with the technology and stuff. But could you imagine seeing this just car flying by, dude hanging out, and you're like, this is real life? Maybe they're filming a movie. Oh, it's crazy. So, all right. They're in the city of Watertown, right in the heart of it. And picture this. Now they're in the front of the Watertown City Hospital. Not exactly sure the name of it there. And I'm not really understanding what these rum runners have with hospitals, but they just continue to go by hospitals. But then my other thought was, well, maybe all the main roads drove by a hospital at the time in the cities. Either way, so they're going by Watertown Hospital. Officer Hayden signaled to his trusty cab driver, William Powers, to pull right up next to them. He yells at him, says, "He, I demand you to stop, or something cool that they'd say in the 20s, probably more tough, like, pull the fuck over! I don't know. That's what I would say. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to stop. And it's clear they're not stopping. So Officer Hayden says, you know what? 
does some quick calculations, says, I think I can make it, jumps from the cab onto the speeding car. He then reaches into the vehicle and turns off the ignition. Wow. Isn't that unreal? Unreal. I mean, wow. I wonder how many times he's been on the side of an REO uh, Roadster to know, oh, the ignition is right here. I got to do this. I just got to reach under. Guy's crazy. So the vehicle was carrying 145 quarts of Canadian liquor that uh, was made up of uh, different kinds of liquor. Obviously, there was Canadian Club in it, Gooderham, and Worst Rye. Sorry if I said Gooderham wrong, but uh, that's what that's what the article said. The drivers were Carl Chicksty. I'm probably saying it right. Age 25 in Byron Denison, 47 of Messina. Turns out the vehicle wasn't even theirs. It belonged to Mrs. Alice Christian, who bought it from her brother, Herbert Warner of Messina, for 1900 bucks. Guess how many miles the odometer showed on this vehicle? Take a guess. While you're waiting for Meg to guess on how many miles are on the odometer of the Ario Roadster, why don't you go to drafttop.com, check it out, grab yourself the lift. The lift is the newest one. It's absolutely amazing. I bring it everywhere. People at parties are like, oh my God, they're almost as, as much shock as when he jumped from the vehicle. Probably not like that, but either way, it's an amazing tool. It, it leaves a very smooth cut. You're not going to cut yourself. You're going to be able to drink topless out of your favorite drink. You can reuse it as a cup. I can't speak highly enough about it. Check it out, drafttop.com. There's going to be links in the episode notes. All right, let's get back and, and see what she guessed. Two thousand. Ooh, 323 miles. And this is after the 100 mile or so high-speed chase. So apparently the um, Carl, I'm not going to say his last name again, because I had mentioned to the police that he borrowed it from uh, Mrs. Alice Christian to actually break it in for her. That's crazy. Either way, he was, I guess he broke it in. Uh, just as a little bit of a more local tie, Carl was actually an employee at Alcoa, like many others were in the area before Alcoa shut down. He was really trying to save some money, bank some money. He also drew like a $1,000 pension or something like that from, I think, military experience. And I apparently at some point, I'd like to hear the backstory of how we started to get into running rum. Uh, I'm going to blame Alcoa. Probably not their fault, but uh, uh, his partner, Dennison, was actually an electrician and a mechanic at a local garage in Messina. Both men were in trial right in the city of Watertown Courts. They both made bail. Their lawyer paid the bail only $150 a piece. What's even more crazy, the car was not seized. So with that being said, they were able to pretty much um, just get away with this and take the car because both men, they were charged by police under a section of the law that prohibited bringing alcohol into a dry town. Authorities, though, apparently, according to James E. Reagan's research, said that the law did not allow the police to keep custody of the vehicle, which the two men were allowed to bring right back to Messina. Hopefully, they drove back a little slower um, and the booze was seized. The car was not. That's that's pretty crazy. But obviously, at this point, George Hayden is an absolute legend, not only in the police force, but for the area and even in the legendary stories of prohibition. But I got to ask, like, was it even worth it? I mean, they got $300, a bunch of booze, uh, some Canadian clubs, some Gouter ham, and some Worst Dry, which I'm assuming the police probably drank. I don't know. And $300. 
doesn't seem worth risking your life for. But the story was posted in many newspapers throughout the area, um, one being the Ogdensburg Republican Journal, which um, I'm, I'm assuming with the name of it, then eventually became the Ogdensburg Journal, which was then bought out and is part of the Watertown Times now. It was written in detail all about the wild 100-mile chase that was in the Ogdensburg Republican Journal with the legendary leap. So upon a very quick search, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure how accurate it is, but it does say that they could go up to 119 miles per hour. Woo! The Ario Roadster? Yes. Cool looking car, though. Did you see click images on it? It's a pretty cool looking car. It is a pretty look, cool looking car. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's got kind of got that like gangster movie feel with like the almost like the soft top and mm-hmm. the, you know, like when you see an old. Yeah, like the old convertible, the big tires. It looks like a rum runner's car. So um, so he risked his own life to stop a boo smuggler. And uh, just one of the many examples from the 1920s and 1930s of how bad not only local, state, and federal law enforcement really had it. So that's what we have here. Just kind of a uh, prompt little recording, something that we didn't have planned until just a little bit ago. So, Meg. Can't thank you enough for joining. Hopefully you'll do this again soon. And um, we'll we'll work to get Zach back there. Hopefully no more gas leaks stuff does happen. But you haven't listened yet, but each episode we end it with a quote that has something to do with the episode. So our quote is from Mark Twain. Prohibition only drives drunkenness behind doors and into dark places, and it does not cure it or even diminish it. Hmm. Pretty cool. Thanks, Mark Twain. All right. That's all we got. That's episode seven. We'll be back for episode eight, nine, ten. I don't know. We'll see how many we go for season one. This is a lot of fun. Cool little passion project. Can't thank you all enough for hanging out with us. And again, thanks, Meg. You're welcome. All right. That's all we got. Bye, everybody.